Just going to give you a heads up. That's not going to be my text this morning. If you do have a Bible, I want to encourage you to flip to Philippians chapter 2. I will address that text, but I, I'm, I'm not going to be preaching from that text. As you flip to that, I want you to think about this. 43 years after his death and burial, the Catholic Church officials exhume his body they, they take the bones and what's remained, they burn it, and then they take the ashes and they cast them into the river Swift. That was 43 years after he was dead and buried. What was the crime that deserves that response? The man that this happened to, he elevated the Bible. He insisted that God's word should be available to all Christians in their, relig- uh, excuse me, in their language. He believed that scripture was divinely inspired, that it is the source by which all doctrine should flow out from and the standard by which all people should live by. And because of this position, he became known as the morning star of the Reformation. That's just part of John Wycliffe's life. There's another gentleman. He was tied to the stake. Then he was strangled to death. Then they let the funeral pyre to burn his body to consume him. This man earlier in his life was having a conversation with a gentleman. And at some point he said these words. I defy the Pope and all his laws. And if God spare my life ere many years, I will cause the boy that driveth the plow to know more of scripture than thou dost. This guy would grow and mature and he would live a life on the run. He would be booted out of his nation, living in Germany and some other areas, laboring to his death. Why? Because he was seeking to publish the scriptures in the English language. It's estimated that actually 83% of the new, not excuse me, not the new, old, old King James Version, the New Testament, 83% of it actually came from his translation work. Who is he? William Tinsdale. I want to encourage you, if you need something to read, go back to the library after service and find one of the biographies or one of the uh, collections of biographies that we have and read about these two men, John Wycliffe and Tinsdale. They had a passion for the word of God that wouldn't allow them to be silent or complacent. And this morning, we're gonna look at that, our call to embrace the word of God. So before we jump into our text, let's pray. Lord God, be with us this morning as we come to your word. It's your Word, you, God, sovereign, Alpha, Omega, creator of all things, you who are truth, we come to your word, which is truth. Help us to humble ourselves, to sit before it and give it the weight and the place it deserves in our life. Lord, I pray that we would see that this is a blessed gift given to us. We live at a time where it's so easily obtained, but yet it is so 
often forgotten. Help us, Lord, to have grateful hearts in receiving your word this day and every day you give us. In Jesus' name. So in this series that we started last week, we are working through the mission statement of Midland Free, and we come to kind of the second section, if you will, of our statement. We started that we will glorify, excuse me, we will enjoy and glorify God, and then we come to this section, we will embrace his word. We will embrace his word. We seek to be a Bible-saturated communion community. All that we do, all that we're about, we want to be about this word. We don't want to take our finger off the text. And so, if you have a Bible, again, Philippians chapter 2, we're going to be looking at verses 14 through 16. We read these words. Philippians 2, starting at 14. Do all things without grumbling and disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Christians are called to be different from the world, and and to do that, to accomplish that, demands that we embrace the word of God. And by embrace, I just want to clarify what I mean here. I don't mean like, oh, we're embracing this new idea and we kind of do, we kind of don't. I want you to think cling, grasp, hold tight. Why? Paul tells us here, we live in a crooked and twisted world. You might say, duh. Duh. It's plain to our eyes. We see it everywhere we go. We experience in our own lives. We live in a crooked and twisted world. The world is broken. People wrong one another. Corruption seems rampant. We chase after foolish things. People seem to be growing more and more selfish. And none of it's different. It's been that way forever and ever and ever. This sentiment is laid out by the prophet Isaiah almost 3,000 years ago, and it echoes just as true to us today. The prophet Isaiah in chapter 5 of his book, verse 20, says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Doesn't that sound like the world... It's almost as if all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's almost as if no one is righteous. No, not even one. It seems like, why? Why are we so shocked by this reality? The writer of Proverbs warns us not to walk in the way of evil. In chapter 4, he tells us not to eat the bread of wickedness or drink the wine of violence. He says in verse 19 that the way of wickedness is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. I love that picture. Before we continue and as we address through this, I want to clarify something else. Please hear what I am not saying. I am not saying I want to go back to the, quote, good old days. Because they don't exist. 
King Solomon was correct when he says there is nothing new under the sun. The world was just as corrupt in the 50s or the 40s or the 50s BC or the 1940s BC. Like, it doesn't matter, right? As far as you go back, there's brokenness and corruption, right? I'm not saying let's follow the Bible so we can get back to the good old days. What I'm trying to say is we want to embrace the word of God as we look forward to a far greater future, a better place, a better time, a better king. That's what we're seeking after. So we have to ask ourselves, since we live in this lost and corrupt world, how are those who are still lost, those who don't know the joy of salvation, how are those living in this dark world supposed to know that there is this new hope, there is this savior, there is this king, there is this better way? And part of the answer is right here in these verses, in verses 14 and 15, you read these words of Paul When he says, do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights to the world. You are God's ordained vessel to be a light to this world. If you're a Christian, you have a job. You have been called to shine as a light. I I love our Christmas Eve service. I love the candlelight service. I I just love that on a a winter's night, we, we gather here together. And at the end of the service, everybody has their little candle and their individual flames join together. And then our, our, our candle light together radiates this beautiful hue that illuminates the darkness of a winter's night. It is such a beautiful picture that we Christians are to shine as light to the world. This is one of the primary reasons why when you become saved, God doesn't just instantly rapture the saints to his side instantaneously. Why? Because you are to be light to the world. Jesus says in Matthew 5, a passage I'm sure many of you are familiar with, in verses 14 through 16, Jesus says these words, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. The redeemed are to be light in a dark and crooked world. Paul is is trying to emphasize that. He, he, he says, don't grumble, don't complain. He's, he's making an allusion to the Old Testament. He's talking about Israel. When they were in the wilderness wandering, he is trying to say, they grumbled against the Lord. They fought with one another. They didn't trust God. They didn't trust God's leading. They didn't trust God's decisions. They didn't trust how God was doing things. You should be different. Don't be like them. He also says that, that we should seek to be blameless and innocent. Also, kind of again, alluding to Israel at one point when God looks at them and says, they're like a blemish. And here Paul is saying, be blameless or be spotless without blemish. Now the reality is, is none of us can do that, right? I think most of us know that. It is Christ alone 
who is pure without spot, without spot or blemish. It's Christ alone who from the moment he came in flesh as an infant born to a virgin Mary in, in the manger to the, the moment his nails are, are driven through his, his wrist and his feet all of his life without sin. That's why he's savior. That's why he's our hope. And as we trust in him, our life's changed. Moment by moment, we become more blameless. We grow in sanctification. We grow in being like our Savior. Paul is calling us to be sanctified. Literally right before this passage, Paul says in verses 12 and 13 of Philippians 2, he says, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will, right? The desire to to do this and to work for his good pleasure. As children of God, we are to embody the character of our heavenly father. Why? Because that's different from the world. The world doesn't pursue after God. The world doesn't care if it looks like Christ. It's seeking after itself. But if we shine like light, it means we're different than darkness. If your desires, if your actions, if your pursuits, if your words, if your reactions mirror the world, surely you are not light. If we are the same as the world, how is God shown as glory? If we are the same as the world, how is God shown to be the true soul satisfier? If we're the same as the world, we're saying hope is found somewhere and its name is not Jesus. Oh, that we would shine like light. That our lives would, would function like lighthouses, right? On that like cragged outcropping that light is shining out, hoping that some ship would see that there is danger if you continue this way. You will be dashed upon the rocks or that our lights would shine like a flashlight for that child, right? What is it about light that a kid could be so scared of darkness? Give him a dollar store flashlight and he is ready to conquer the world. Oh, that we would be light like that. Not see us, but see Christ through us, that you would drive away sin and fear. If you have a Bible, flip over to 1 John chapter 1. Look at these words here. Pray that they would bring conviction to us in a loving, gracious way. First John chapter one, the apostle writes these words in verse six. If we say we have fellowship with him, with Christ, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with him. We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. 
If you look like the world, don't deceive yourself and call yourself light. If you want to grow in manifesting more wattage of light, Paul, John, the other apostles, Jesus says the way you do that is you draw near to Christ. You surrender. You seek first the kingdom of God, which Paul in Colossians calls the kingdom of light. How do we do that? Don't worry. God gives commands, but he also provides the means to do what he commands. If God has commanded us to be light, he will provide the means for us to be light. So here's my question. Feel free to answer. Do you want to be light? Three people answered. Awesome. Saw a couple head shakes, so maybe six of you. Embrace the word of God. If you want to be light, embrace, hold fast, is what Paul says in Philippians 2. Embrace the word of God. The writer of Proverbs, chapter 4, I told you, he said, like, stay away from darkness. These things lead to danger. There's, they, they don't even know what they're stumbling over because they live in darkness. After all of those things, the writer of Proverbs says, these, says this. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. And you can keep reading. I don't have enough time to get through all of it. The psalmist tells us that the word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Brothers and sisters, if we want to shine like light, if we want to be brighter, we need to hold, cling, hold fast to the word of God. Hold fast. That means fix your attention. Don't move from it. Set your gaze upon it. That's what the word hold fast means. We will embrace. We will hold fast the word of God. Why? Why am I trying to hope that I'm somehow inflaming passion for God's word? Why such veracity to hold fast the word of God? So much that men like Wycliffe and Tinsdale would strive with all of their life to put the word of God in people's hands. Why? Because God reveals himself here. This is where you meet God. I think so often we we want to chase after these like extraordinary epiphanies. We so badly want to see a burning bush. We want to lay out fleece and have God somehow miraculously make the ground wet and the fleece dry or the fleece wet and the ground dry. Like we want all of these miraculous things while we ignore the extraordinary, amazing, ordinary epiphany that is right literally in your hands. And if you don't have one of these, go grab one when you leave. They're at the rack there. It's yours. Take it. Why? Because I want you to have the word of God. 
It cracks me up as a pastor for all the years I've been. I don't know what God wants me to do. And it's amazing how often they throw out a question and I can just flip through a book, the Bible and say, I know what he wants you to do. And more often than not, they know what they, God wants them to do. They just want it not to be that way. We embrace the word of God. This is amazing. Have you ever considered the reality? Like, why did God speak and give us the word? Why did he inspire men to, to write his word down? a lot harder to corrupt when it's right here. So here's my challenge to you, and I'll say this frequently. Please don't take my word for it. If I say something you think it's wrong, I should know. Because you should come up to me and say, I don't see that. Help me to see that. And if I can't, then you should say, you're wrong. You have the word. Let us meet God in it. Why cling? Why hold fast to the word of God? Why hold the Bible as the ultimate authority by which every realm of human knowledge and endeavor should be weighed and judged against? Church, hold fast the word of God because it gives insight into the mysteries of Christ. Ephesians 3, 4. Hold fast to the Bible because it imparts all spiritual truth. 1 Corinthians 2, 12 and 13. Faith comes from hearing Hearing through the word. Romans 10, 17. We are told if we want to be genuine disciples of Jesus Christ, we must abide by the word. And Jesus says we have to know the truth. And then he says in John 8, 31 and 32, that the truth will set us free. The psalmist, Psalm 1, tells us the joy is found in the word of God. It produces fruit. It strengthens our life. Jesus prays in the garden in John 17 that we would be sanctified in the truth. And then he says this, your word, speaking to the father, your word is truth. John 17, 17. Why embrace the word of God? Because in it you get God. In it, you get to know who he is. In it, you see his character. In it, you, you're reminded of the grace of God that he's given to you in so many ways. Why embrace the word of God? Because according to Paul, it's fuel. If you want to shine like light in a dark world, you embrace the word of God. You fill yourself with God's truth. Embrace it. Hold fast. The word is fuel. Let me put it another way. Maybe this one's better because we live in America. Embrace the word of God because you are a spiritual being, not just a physical one. True life is not found in bread alone, but by the word of God. If you are a follower of Christ and you want to be strong, you want to be healthy, you want to be producing fruit, devour. The word of God. Fill your soul. There is so much delight to be found when we eat the word of God. Without a diet of the word, you starve yourself. You starve yourself of every grace God has given you. 
I'm not misstating that. You starve yourself of every grace God has given you. Because as you read through the word of God, you're reminded of his forgiveness, a grace given to you. When you read the word of God, you're reminded of a new identity that you have in Christ. You are no longer who you once were. You're now made new. You are a new creature in him. You forget that grace if you don't eat and devour the word of God. There are so many graces I could go on and on and on. We would be a fool to think we don't need the word of God. Therefore, I pray that we, Midland Free, would embrace the word of God. We would devour it with passion. Why? Because it is where we find God and is where our soul gets what it needs to find satisfaction. Are you satisfied? Are you full? Are you illuminating where you go? I'm not saying it's the be-all, end-all, but it is a supreme and a very useful thing. Flip over to 2 Timothy. I said, Philippians is the main one, but I have to touch on this. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. We read these words again. Paul writing to Timothy. Paul writes this. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for the training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Timothy is told by Paul, continue in what you learned and what you believed from childhood. That word continued literally means stay. Seems odd. Often continue, we think moving on, but it isn't. It actually means stay, reside. Don't move from here. You could almost say, hold fast. Friends, don't advance past the sacred scriptures. This isn't a primer to some sort of bigger idea or some bigger truth that's out there. This is sufficient for a life of holiness and the way to live that's pleasing to the Lord. You are called to build your life on the word of God. And we as a church and all that we do should be saturated and guided by these things. Verse 16 gives us some pretty good reasons why we should embrace the word of God. It's breathed out by God. God is the source. And he has inspired the authors to pen these words. It is breathed out. It has life because God has breathed it out just as he breathed his breath into the form of dirt of man that made us alive and made us different from all the other things that were created. This is different from every other book that has ever been created. Why? Because it was breathed out by God. Paul calls these words sacred writings. That word literally means holy. It's set apart. It's different. I could do an entire sermon on verse 16 alone, but I don't have enough time. 
So here's some brief, brief, brief thoughts. Church, let us embrace the word of God because it's profitable, it's beneficial. There's value since truth is found there. And because truth is found here, this is useful for reproof, for correction, for helping when when false teaching has arise. We can come to the scriptures and say, does it fall in line with what God has said? And so who God is? No, false. Put it off, put it out. Put it away. The word is also profitable for training us in righteousness. In the word we receive the context and the content of who God is. And and we receive what it means. Here's the things we need to believe. But we also receive in it how we are to conduct our lives. I believe this. How does that manifest? Here's what scripture says. Church, let us embrace the word of God because it enables us and it equips us for Christ-exalting, God-honoring work. These few verses here in Timothy 2 reveal the sufficiency of Scripture. If you think you need another reason to read the Bible, you find the answers why right here. Why would we turn? Why would we seek anything else? There's also something here a little bit interesting. It's a little side note, but again, I'm a little bit of a Bible nerd. And I think this is interesting here. Before we leave Timothy, there's a connection with Philippians 2. Look at the very end of verse 14 of 2 Timothy chapter 3. Look here at the very end. He says, knowing from who you learned it. Where did Timothy learn the scriptures? Who taught Timothy the That this word is is something that should be stored in your heart. This word should be foundational to how you live. If again, if you have a Bible, just flip a page maybe to to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. Here's the connection. You see right here in this verse, I am reminded of your sincere faith, the faith that dwelled first in your grandmother, Lois, and then in your mother, Eunice. And now I'm sure dwells in you as well. We also read in Acts about this as well. His grandmother and his mother shined like light to Timothy. Their lives gave credibility to the word of God. It's almost as if as Paul is writing to Timothy, don't move away from these scriptures. He's also thinking about his writing in Philippians chapter 2. That those who hold fast to the word of God shine like light. So if you're a mother, if you're a father, if you're a grandparent, I pray that the word of God dwells in you in such a way that you display the manifold glory of God to your children. And if you're not a mother and you're not a father and you're not a grandparent, may that be true of you as well. Why? Because that's why you're here. You are here to shine like light in a dark world. And if you want to inflame, burn brighter, grow more wattage, that's the only thing I can think of, sorry. It comes from embracing the word of God. Wisdom is found in the scriptures because God is found in the scriptures. The word of God exposes sin and brings conviction. The Bible reveals who we truly are apart from Christ's saving work, but it also reveals who you are 
or could be if you put your faith in Christ and Christ alone. Therefore, let us be a people who have the word of God. Here's my challenge for you, church. Read. 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 Just read. I'm not saying wake up at three in the morning and read for three hours. I mean, if you could do that, awesome. But I am saying, be diligent. Read. Take some time and commune with the Lord. He has given you his word. We profess that he is worthy of all praise and honor. He's just not worthy of our time. Read the Bible. I love Martin Luther in his blunt ways. Often he says things so just, I don't know how I would phrase it. And he, sometimes he's just flat out rude. But I love how he describes this. He says, the church of God, right? Speaking of the church, he says, the church is God's mouth. House. What do you mean by that? When we proclaim the Bible to each other, to brothers and sisters in the Lord, when we proclaim the Bible to those who are out in the world who don't know who the Lord is, when we proclaim the scriptures both in, in word and in deed, we are proclaiming God. We speak his word. What does the world hear from you? Does it hear the word or does it hear some sort of Christianese pop psychology mumbo jumbo? Sounds almost biblical, but it isn't. Sounds almost Christ centered, but it isn't. Let us be a very loud mouth house. I need to say one more thing before we close here. The Bible's not magic. The Bible's not magic. Reading it, following its word, isn't going to make everything sunshine and rainbows for you. I'm, I, I want you to read the word. I want you to devour it daily. But I don't want you to think, I read the word. I've been reading it faithful day in, day out, going and going and going. I've read through the Bible this year, all year long, every day, every day, every day, every day. Why isn't it all great? Why isn't it easy? Why is the sickness still there? Why did that person die? Why didn't I get the promotion? The Bible's not magic. I have been diligent to read the Bible and I close it and I get in a fight with my wife. I have read the scriptures with tears in my eyes saying, when is that going to be in my life? The Bible's not magic, but here's what I do know. When pain and trial arise in your life, it is these words that the spirit will bring to your mind to give you strength amidst the suffering, amidst the disappointment. He will shine in your life so that you can show joy while sorrowing. You can show hope in hopeless situations. 
So perhaps this year you will take serious the reality that God has given you a glorious blessing. If you want an epiphany, it's right in your hand. Perhaps this year you will open the Bible and you will be diligent to consume it as if it means life. Why? Because his word is life and his word is truth. Why? Because there are people who do not know God and they do not know the hope of salvation in his son, Christ Jesus. And the more I eat this word, the more I embrace this word, the better I display the glory of God that they would see him. I pray that we would be a loud mouth house. People of Midland, the city of Midland would say, oh, Midland free just won't shut up about the glory of God. Jesus this, Jesus that. Okay, I get it. Do you? Because I'm going to talk more about it. Let us be ones who hold diligently to the word of life because it is the word of life. I think of the disciples and they say to Jesus, Where else can we go? You have the words of eternal life. Why would we go anywhere else? Let us be people who embrace the word of God. Let's pray. Lord God, forgive us. Forgive us when we crowd out our life. And don't give your word an opportunity to water our soul. Forgive us, Lord, when we seem to have enough time to watch the next episode of our favorite television show, but we don't have time to open your word. Forgive us, Lord, when we think we have somehow outgrown the truths that they convey. Lord, I pray that you would help our hearts to find nourishment in these words. Help us, Lord, to embrace your word because we want to shine brighter. We want to be lights to a lost world. And you command it, but you have also provided the resources for us to accomplish it. You have given us your word. Help us, Lord, to understand that your word is a lamp. We don't want to stumble. We want to see the path of righteousness. We don't want to stray to the left or the right of it. And your word lights our path. Help us to come to your word because as we open this word, we are communing with the sovereign God of all the universe. He has spoken to us. Let us be still and hear him. We pray this in Jesus' name. The one who is the word by which hope and joy is made complete. In his name we pray, amen. Let me Distraction.
you out. Just a, a few announcements here. First, uh, we'll have uh, elders and, and some others up here up front, care team, if, if you need someone to pray with, if you want to if you have a question about what it means to be a follower of Christ, we'd love to invite you to come forward. Or if you're going through something and you're just, just struggling, please come forward and talk to those folks. Also, I, I think I'll look around for someone who maybe knows. If, if, you have, if you're new to our church, maybe this is your first time, awesome. Thanks for coming on this day. Guess that person's not here. Uh, but if you are, it, it, or if you've just been newer to our church for the last couple months here, we want to invite you. I believe we are still on for lunch with the leaders, right? Yes, we are. Awesome. Lunch with the leaders. That's uh, back towards the, the, the adult wing. Uh, following the service, we'd love to have you, invite you back there. Even if, even if you're like, I don't know what you're talking about, that's for you. Go and, and join us as we, we have some of those things. If you're the south side here, we want to encourage you to to stack your chairs, if you would, about 10 high and um, help us with that so that that can be cleared. And then one last thing, I don't know if he's here, but, but Mike Zastro and, and a team of you guys, just thank you for all of the work of snow removal. Uh, I mean, they were here, I know, for a while yesterday and then this morning I was coming in and, and, and they were working again. So thank you for those, those folks. And as I look out that window, it looks like it's snowing again. So uh, yeah, thank you guys. Also, just want to send you out here with this. this I love this, this section here in Samuel, right? The word of God has seemed to have been silent for a while. He isn't really working in a way. But then as Samuel grew, we read in, in 1 Samuel chapter 3, as Samuel grew, the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall on the ground. But here's the part that I think is awesome. Verse 21. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh. For the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. God revealed himself by the word. I just want to, in case you don't know, that word is still here. And he still speaks today to let us embrace the word of God so that we may shine as light in a dark world. Have a blessed week, church.